Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I am glad to have back on the podcast um, someone that you may remember, Brian Elaine. We talked about writing for your life, and I know there are a ton of people interested in writing that are either writing in journals, thinking about writing a book, doing all kinds of things. Well, Brian is back on the podcast, and I'm going to introduce him in just a second. Uh, I just want to say to... Um, all of you who have faithfully supported the podcast uh, over this last year, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many of you have done that on Patreon. Uh, some of you directly through PayPal using producer at anitalustria.com. So all different ways. I just want to say a great big thank you to all of you. And uh, we're launching into another Actually, wow, uh, we're over the 300 episode limit and we're well into year six of the podcast. So we're, we're keeping on going. Thanks to you. So let me get into introducing uh, our guest today. Uh, Brian Elaine has um, co-edited and co-compiled this book that we're going to talk about in a few minutes called How to Heal Our Divides. Uh, a practical guide. Um, but Brian, I, I want to get you in on, well, let me first say a, a welcome. Let's start there. Welcome back to Faith Conversations. Well, thank you so much, Anita. It's <laughs> so great to hang out with you again. Well, good to have you here. And, and I thought I would get you in on your own introduction because you wear a number of hats. So when you were on the podcast before, um, we talked about writing for your life, which is the, the resource center that you founded for spiritual writers. Uh, wonderful. And, and let me say on the front end here, I'll have links to all of these things in the show notes. Um, but you can feel free to give websites along the way, whatever you want to do. Um, but I will certainly have that things linked in the show notes. Um, and then, of course, we talked to you about the conferences that you regularly put on and you have expanded that. And so that's really uh, why I want you to help me with your introduction, because I knew about writing for your life. And, um, and I think we maybe talked about one more conference back when you were on the podcast before, but I'm going to get you to tell me wh what all the hats you're wearing now. <laughs> well, well, first of all, Anita, thanks again for, you know, having me join you again. It's always such a pleasure to, um, to spend time with you. Um, but let me back up even further a moment to give folks a little bit more context. All of this is a second career for me. I spent most of my life doing completely different things. Um, I have a master's degree in electrical engineering and MBA. I spent most of my career working in high tech, doing startup businesses, either you know, within startup companies or big companies or whatever. Um, but several years ago, one of my classmates from business school said, hey, how would you like to come work with me? I've got a couple of small companies I'd like you to help me run. And after I was there for a couple of years, he came into my office one day and said, I'd like you to um, work on a project. It's for my father-in-law, Frederick Beekner. <laughs> and of course, at that point in time, I'd never heard of Frederick Beekner. Oh, I love that. Which was part of the problem because, you know, he had written all these amazing books. You know, for anybody who's not familiar with um, 
one of his books was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, one was nominated for the National Book Award, um, just an incredibly gifted and talented writer, but never did one iota of self-promotion or marketing, even yes. book tours, you know, during yes. his prime. So basically his family asked me. Well, to- and let me, let me just interject this. I have to say, I got to give props to Michael Card. I mean, decades ago, he turned me on to mm. Frederick Beekner's books. Sure. Have you ever heard of this guy? I'm like, no. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he got me reading and loved, just loved Beekner. And so I, I just love this story that, you know, you also back, way back didn't know and here you end up working for him. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I started reading all of his books and it just, I just fell in love. I said, oh my goodness, this is like literally for me, the best writer I ever read. So we brought him, brought him online in December of 2012, his first website, social media, all those kinds of things. We built a seminary partnership program with 50 seminaries all over the world, actually published three new books, even though he wasn't writing any longer. Uh, one of them was in conjunction with Anne Lamott because she wanted like a Beekner 101 to be able to give people, you know, say, hey, you've got to read this guy. kind wow. of thing. So anyway, that's what got me involved in all of this spiritual publishing arena. And five and a half years ago, I turned 60 and said, OK, what do I want to do the rest of my life? And that's when I started writing for your life, basically to take what I learned and work with Mr. Beekner and help, help other Christian spiritual writers. So um, so writing for your life is intended to give away as much as we can, you know, in terms of articles, resources, videos, interviews, <laughs> book launch, you know, interviews. Yeah. Uh, and then we do conferences, writers conferences. So that was the first thing I started. <clears throat> um, as I was doing that, I kept hearing that writers of color are really underrepresented in terms of number of books get published. So I said to myself, well, I'm not an agent. I'm not a publishing house executive. I'm not an editor. But everywhere I've ever been in business, so much is dependent upon who you know. Yes. So I said, I do know how to put on conferences. Let me put on a conference that's specifically oriented toward fostering relationships between writers of color and people from the publishing industry. So in 2018, we started that. And initially, we're doing in-person conferences. The last two years, we've been doing them online. But there's been all, all kinds of books, literary agent relationships, magazine articles, contributions to other people's books, all those kinds of things that have come out of that. So I've been very happy about that. Yeah, that's been tremendous. Um, well, it's just, you know, I, I'm just you know, very grateful that um, it's been fruitful. So, um, so the third major thing I launched two and a half years ago is called Compassionate Christianity. And that's CompassionateChristianity.org, which is basically an online focal point for progressive Christians. And we do webinars there. We do you know, articles, a bunch of different things like that. And then the fourth major project uh, is the one that you mentioned is the book, How okay. to Heal Divides. And you know, we can talk about you know, all the details around how that all got started, but those are the four things I do. Each okay. one of them has its own website, its own social media, its own uh, email uh, newsletter. So um, that, that's how I spend uh, my time. That is that. helpful. I love that. And again, I'll have all of those links. And I think I started to say I didn't know about Compassionate Christianity, but now this is coming back to me that through a mutual friend, uh, Jennifer Grant, I did know about compassionate Christianity had forgotten about that. So really appreciate that. She's another, uh, she's an author friend. She and I used to be in a writer's group together. I finally decided, I don't think I'm going to write anything else. I'll just be talking the rest of my life, which is fine. That's kind of my primary gig anyway, for years. Uh, so, um, but yeah, Jennifer's wonderful. And she's yes. one of the volunteer curators for Compassion Christianity. She contributed yeah. to that website, still does. And so, uh, yeah, Jennifer and I partnered on multiple fronts. That's great. In fact, I think she interviewed my husband, Mike Murphy, for that. 
I'm now remembering this. And I <laughs> like way back when I think maybe that sounds we, right. we were first launching. So, okay. This all makes sense to me now. Well, I, I definitely want to talk to you about um, this latest project. Um, and, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, of all the projects you might be a part of and might decide to launch, <laughs> uh, you know, book specifically a book project, why this topic? And, and I have to say how to heal our divides um, this practical guide, which is filled with, with essays. It's this whole topic is one that my husband and I talk about a lot. Um, he posts a weekly column on, on Facebook called Friday rumblings. And it's kind of, it's a combination of political and spiritual thought that has garnered a, a wide following. I know he's lost some people along the way. I've lost some people from just reposting his thoughts from time to time. Um, and when I say lost, I mean, on social media, but you know, some of those are a few in-person friends have maybe become less friendly. Sometimes that happens. Um, so why this topic? Why talk about how to heal our divides? Of all the things out there that you might put together a, um, a compilation project, why this? What makes this close to your heart enough to give yourself to it? Well, the most important thing is just the polarization that our country's encountered, right? And, and the difficulties that that causes, whether it's friends that you mentioned, you know, or just how our effectively or ineffectively our government, our society, everything else is working. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that was the main, you know, number one thing is just, it's like, okay, these are huge intractable problems. None of us can solve it in its entirety, but to the extent that any of us can chip away at it in mm -hmm. various ways, yeah. I think it's incredibly yeah. important right now. The other thing that happened is that during the pandemic, um, I was doing a lot more reading. Mm. Um, and so I was reading more and more about social justice, yeah. anti-racism, political, religious divides and issues, and a lot of great books, right? But most of them were about, here's the history behind this, or mm. you know, convincing you that it's an issue, or uh, look inside yourself to examine your own biases, right? All really good things. But very little was written about what do we do about it? Ah, that makes so sense. I said to myself, okay, well, you know, also during the pandemic, I started doing all these video interviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, did, I did a series called Reading Hope and Trying Times. I also do video interviews when people are launching new books, you know, because they couldn't do book tours, right? So right. I had to help them get the word out. So I thought to myself, well, after the election, I really want to do a video interview series about this whole, you know, how to heal the divides issue. And talk about organizations that are actually doing something, mm. right, to, to, to heal different types of divides, racial divides, political, religious, um, and more. So originally, it was just going to be a video interview series. And then I thought to myself, well, my goodness, why don't I ask each of these folks to write a chapter uh, and create a book? Uh, okay. And uh, so in November of last year, <clears throat> I started socializing this idea with people. I started asking around. By... Christmas of the same year, I was already oversubscribed of people that had said yes to doing a video interview and writing a chapter. Wow. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm guess I'm on to something here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I decided to, you know, turn it into a whole platform with website and social media and emails. And okay. But um, but you know, that's really the genesis of it. I didn't go out planning to write a book or anything. And in fact, I didn't even write this, obviously. It, I sure. 33 yeah. different people to each write a chapter. In. That's so interesting. Well, and I kind of wondered, you sort of answered it, but 
you know, I know you have a wide network of, of uh, friends, acquaintances, you've got all kinds of contributors to the, the writing conferences and, you know, what you've just mentioned earlier. So I wondered how you went about deciding who would be a part of writing these chapters, these essays in the book. And, you know, you, I mean, you answered a little bit, said you just started socializing the idea, but, but in the end, uh, you know, how did you make those decisions? Well, um, you know, I wanted to have a diversity of authors. I wanted to have a diversity of topics, you know, that the organizations are dealing with. So there's some that are specifically around racial reconciliation, racial healing, racial justice. There are some around the LGBT divide. There's some around political forums. There's some around religious divides. Um, so I kind of wanted to hit on um, several of those different types of divides. There's one on immigration. There's one on abilities. So I thought, and, and I kind of knew people, you know, in some of these different categories, or I knew that I could ask other people. So, you know, the classic case in this instance yeah. is Brian McLaren, right? Ah, okay. I was just going to ask, you know, <laughs> Brian McLaren writes the intro to this and I think incredibly well, but let, let, let you finish talking about Brian. I, I marked up some things in the intro. Go ahead. Well, he's, he's a great friend. We collaborate on multiple things. He's incredibly generous yes. with his time and with his connections. Yes. And so I said to myself, you know, I bet he knows several people. So I had this conversation. What do you think about this idea, you know, to do this book? You know, do you have, so he, he just off the top of his head, boom, 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 boom. All you right, know, he had all these things. different ideas, <laughs> right? So I went back and started investigating and I said, okay, can you introduce me to these three? Yeah. And he did right away. And sure enough, each one of those three wrote a chapter in this book. That's so awesome. the power of networking, the power of relationships that I had established for completely different reasons, yeah. never expecting it to have any relevance to a book, right? Yeah. Immediately came into relevance when I decided to start this project. So, uh, okay. So, and uh, this wasn't on my agenda, but I'll just say this to throw it out there. Cause it's a real hot button of mine. And that is the power of community. We are not islands people, uh, or we don't function well as an island. Uh, I, so I just, I just love that story from the standpoint of the, the value of community and how our lives are so much more expanded when we are part of community. Yeah. So part of the reading that I did while I was, you know, doing a lot of reading, yeah. there's a book that I just love. That's called where good ideas come from. Huh. And it's I'm a writing that down. Yeah. It's a historical <laughs> sociology kind of a thing by Stephen Johnson. And basically, he looks historically, where did good ideas come from? What were the attributes and characteristics of an environment that caused that to happen? And so, of course, he was looking like in ancient Rome and places like that, right? You know, pre-internet predominantly. Okay, sure. So where good ideas came from, statistically, you know, was people randomly running into each other in big cities. So big cities disproportionately created the environment for more ideas than other locations, just because People would randomly, you know, talk to each other about this and this. And well, I hadn't thought about that, whatever. So now with the internet, you know, and the forms of community that we have that are not geographically driven, like you live in Florida, I live in New Jersey, you and I can collaborate just as much as if we live next door. Yes. Same thing with Brian McLaren lives in Florida. I live in New Jersey, right? Yeah. You know, the contributors to this book live all over the country, right? So um, but it's the randomness. Yes. 
of the community. Because um, no one of us can think of all the good ideas in the world, right. or all the important aspects of any idea. Right. So the, the, the more we can bump into each other oh, and yeah. interact, and, 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 and running ideas past each other for, you know, feedback and things like that. Well, and I think so I, I, it's very powerful. I think I inherently knew this. I used to lead a team when I was in uh, radio and we would meet regularly small team. Um, so uh, four or five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Small team. Um, but we would meet regularly. Um, and a part of those meetings would be, um, you know, evaluating, looking back, looking forward and the brainstorming piece and the things that come out of those times when you, and in this space, in this case, intentionally bump into each other via meeting, um, it w became so important. And so when I made a move away from Chicago, where I'd been for many years, 31 years to Florida, I knew um, I would kind of wither and die if I didn't have those kind of spaces. And I formed a conversation group, a concept that I feel strongly about and where uh, ideas can be batted around, talked about. And it's always interesting what I come away thinking about. And while it's not intentionally for the purpose of, um, uh, you know, uh, necessarily putting a project together or whatever, things come out of it, you know, things happen. And so I love uh, your whole concept about that. And also just the ideas that that came out of that, uh, you know, out of your reading during the pandemic as well. Uh, I wanted to read just a little bit about what, something that Brian McLaren said in the introduction, because this really sparked my thinking and um, just kind of, it made my eyes open a little wider and want to dive into um, the content of the book. You know, he said, he's talking about this specific volume, how to heal our divides. And he said um, that you, you've, brought together this diverse team of creative practitioners of undivision, love that. But this part, all of these practitioners are translating peacemaking theory into practice on the street, in the neighborhood and in the human heart. I, I love that. Not only that, they, but they are developing and revising theory through their practice. And that's part of what makes each contribution so powerful. But what a great phrase, these are practitioners, uh, these practitioners are translating peacemaking theory into practice on the street, you know, in their neighborhoods and in, in the human heart. I, I love that um, phrase about translation, translating peacemaking theory into practice. Um, thoughts on that? I mean, I think that's just beautifully said, and it totally invites me in. I want to read this immediately. And it totally sets the stage for the rest of the book, because I said, I mean, part of my frustration was reading all these important books, but not finding much about, you know, collectively, what do we do to start addressing some of these issues, right? And there's more and more that it's coming out in that regard, which I'm really happy to see. <clears throat> but I felt like, okay, I want to be able to showcase all these organizations that are out there that are actually doing something, training, um, programs, forums, um, you know, on the street, you know, as, as, you know, Brian was mentioned, practical things. And, and so, um, you know, that was, that's the whole purpose of, of, of the book is to build awareness of all the good work that's going on out there that we typically don't hear about. Yeah. I wasn't aware of most of these organizations before I started doing the research on this book. 
you know, we, we hear the nightly news or whatever, and it's all bad news, right? We don't hear about all these good things. And, it, and honestly, it's very fragmented. You know, yes, true. they're small, they're separated all over the place. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I wanted to try to create an umbrella to, you know, raise all boats, so to speak, you know, build awareness about lots of different areas that number one, need to be addressed. And number two are being addressed. Well, and I think to that point, uh, Brian, I think w- one of the interesting things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking through, well, on the, on the front cover of the book, I don't even have to look through, you know, you start reading these names, Brian McLaren, Diana Butler Bass. She's also been here on the podcast, Parker Palmer been on the podcast here. Um, Shane Claiborne um, has not yet been here on my podcast, but I read these names, but then you start looking in the book and it's just a fact of life. You know, you need a certain number of names that people know that are well-known that draw them in. But then what I loved, and you just kind of made mention of this, are a bunch of names that I don't know. I I do know Amy Julia Becker. Love her. She's a part of the book, uh, has been here on the podcast. And but there are other people that are in this together. I guess it just makes me feel like, oh, yeah, I don't have to have some big name. I can be contributing to healing the divides. Love that. And you take us through these essays on a journey of, um, you know, getting to know great people, uh, great um, things that they're doing across the country, uh, helping to spark our own thinking, or maybe we say, oh, I want to, you know, um, join what's happening there. I want, you know, whatever it may be, you are elevating um, us in a whole new way to, to think differently. And, and I love that so much. Well, well thank you. But you, you've hit on what the, my strategy was, was to, you know, use a bunch of big names, right, <laughs> to attract yep. people in, but then talk about these organizations. So have you ever heard of Arabi? of telos, of three practices, no. you, know, the, you know, the people's church, dinner church, um, uh, how to have better arguments. These are all organizations out there that are doing work in all these different areas. The Absalom Jones Center for Racial, uh, Rec- uh, Racial Healing, um, Roots of Justice, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, they're all doing phenomenal work. They need to be recognized. And so, you know, I wanted to give people who read this a smorgasbord, right, to choose from, you know, and, and to be inspired by, to get hope from, and hopefully maybe even get involved in one of them or emulate one of them. As yes, absolutely. And, and I got to say for someone like me, a podcaster who, you know, I'm grateful. I, I get new uh, books and thoughts and ideas all the time from publishers who send things my way. Um, but I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be looking through this book and maybe I'll be finding a guest or two from good, within the pages good. of the book. And I love that. I didn't even know this person and I didn't even know she was in this book. I, but I booked her on the podcast and then found her in this book and we've dialogued back about that. Um, Molly LaCroix. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I've not yet recorded with her, but she's going to be coming up uh, on the podcast um, just a little bit after this one. And um, so looking forward to that. And then I was elated to find that she's in how to heal our divides and, uh, talking about healing our inner divides, because that's her area of expertise. Exactly. Yeah. Psychologist, therapist, you know, how- I met her through writing for your life. Oh, okay. Of course. You know, well, that she, makes sense. She attended one of my conferences and we got to know each other. And then when I started putting the other's book, I thought, you know what? I mean, what she wrote about is healing a different type of divide. 
than what, you know, is typically uh, featured in this book, right? Which, you know, mentioned all the political, racial, things like that. But I mean, just as important, right? And and the work that she does yes. is really great. So I thought, okay, let me see if Molly will write a chapter. And I, sure I enough, love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, and and I have to say, you know, you get into this kind of work, healing divides, and inevitably, um, people can get nervous. I, and I can sit here and say, oh, maybe I can be a little nervous thinking, what are people that get this, that listen to the podcast going to find? I mean, these are really difficult divisive times. That's why I love this um, peacemaking aspect, you know, uh, translating peacemaking theory into practice on the street and neighborhoods, et cetera. These are difficult times, but honestly, this is my thinking. If I don't open up, speak up, elevate this conversation in my little corner of the world, then um, I might as well just go home and quit. You know, we, we've got to be talking about this. No, we might not be on the same page 100%, but wow, we've better be working toward that. Uh, your yeah, thoughts on I, I felt the same way. You know, it's like, you know, I've never seen our country like this. Yeah. And it's getting in the way of so much progress. And yeah, none of us can solve all the problems, but we, within our own little sphere of influence, you know, we better try as best we can to make a difference. And so, yeah, that's, that was a big motivator for me for doing this. So I loved this. Uh, this also came from the introduction. Um, and I, McLaren quotes um, this environmental person, Annie Leonard, who I did not know. Um, but this is the quote, there is no away. When you throw something away, it must go somewhere. Uh, I had not thought about that. Of course, I know that to be true, but I love the wording of that. What is true in our physical environment is also true of our social environment. When we identify someone as alien, other, outsider, and enemy, we think we can throw them away, but there is no away. We are neighbors and we can't escape that fact. Eventually, we will need to learn what Dr. King said. The only way to get rid of an enemy permanently is to make him or her your friend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was powerful, really powerful. So let me ask you this. You, you know, you put the word out, you decide on the contributors to this project they're writing their chapters, writing away on their essays for how to heal our divides and send them in to you and to your, your co-editor and compiler, Adam Thomas. We haven't talked about him yet. We'll do that in a moment. But um, as you get them and start reading them and, you know, for the editing process, any, any surprises for you? Um, I mean, not so much, you know, honestly, in terms of the content, because I knew what each one of them was going to be writing about, because I'd yeah. ask them, <laughs> yes, yes, you know, exactly. for, because they lead an organization or whatever the yeah. case may be, right? So, so that, I mean, or maybe you just learned more about what they did. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that honestly surprised me about the whole project was the speed with which it happened. Oh, okay. That's right. Cool. So, you know, I didn't even start talking to anybody about this until November of last year. Wow. The book was published in May wow. of this year, right? So that speaks volumes to several different things. Yeah. 
one is this whole power of community. Yes. You know, and, 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 you know, cooperating uh, across, you know, geography and everything else. Two is the passion people had for doing this and the commitment people had for doing this, this idea, right? Third is the power of the technology mm. of independent publishing. Because basically, um, you know, I'll, I'll tie Adam into this, right? So, so as you mentioned, Adam Thomas, you know, is we're going to partner in crime on this uh, book. Adam and I had partnered before on writing for your life because he's an Episcopal priest, but he's got a side gig of doing book cover designs and editing and book layout. <laughs> so I said, Adam, how would you like to work together, you know, to do this book? Because I knew if I went the traditional publishing route, it would oh, have yeah. been 2022, 2023, 2024, something yeah. like that mm-hmm. when it came out. And I said, this is too timely. This is too needed. So, um, you know, we put together a schedule that was very aggressive and all, all of these contributors is you know, one of the hurting your cats kind of exercise, yes. right? <laughs> but they all came through uh-huh. with their drafts. Adam did a light editing on them. We had already done the book cover design, you know, parallel with all that. He did the layout, uploaded it onto Amazon, and voila, May 18th, <laughs> we launched the book. So I still look back on that. I said, how in the world did that happen? That quick? <laughs> and, you know, even though I did it, you know, yeah. I still can't believe that it happened. Yeah. So anyway, that that to me was one of the wow moments yeah. of this book, nice. you know, the project. Nice. Yeah. I really appreciated um, reading Adam's thoughts in the epilogue, just about how we use language, words matter. I mean, we know that, boy, do we know that over the last number of years. Um, And we're, we're still living with the fallout of that. And I mean, society has changed (laughs) because of that. Um, Yeah. Just some wonderful thoughts and then really bringing it home with some words that sometimes if you're in the church context, um, the, the whole, it, the, the fact that he brought in the hymn with the line here, I raise my Ebenezer, Ebenezer. Yes. And I loved that. And talking about the meaning of that. Um, and I, I don't want to give too much away because I think that's really a powerful piece that helps wrap up the book. Um, one of the things I did want to ask you if you had, it's like, I know this is kind of like asking authors if they have favorite children, if you, you know, when you yes, ask someone exactly. have a favorite Everyone book, but, but this is, this is what I'm going to say. It's like, ah, no, none of the contributors are going to be listening to my podcast, Brian. <laughs> so, so any, um, any favorites or just interesting essays that, that you just thought, oh, I, I'm, I'm excited for people to read this one. I, and I know you can say everyone, but just looking for you to elevate a couple of them, maybe. Well, this is definitely one of those, you know, who's your favorite child kind of question. Yeah, I know, I know. Because <laughs> I love them all and I appreciate their contributions, you know, so oh, yeah. dramatically. Uh, but having said that, um, there's one chapter in there um, that was by Mark Feldmeyer. And Mark is a pastor at a church in suburban Denver. Okay. And you know how I was mentioning that while I was reading all these different books and none of them or most of them were not very practical, you know, about how to heal device. His was, he came out with a book last year called a house divided. And basically what it was, was his sermon series. 
ministries mm -hmm. that he had done at his church addressing all these very difficult issues. And he did a sermon on each one, and, and his, his approach was to come up with some statements of common ground in each area Okay. as a starting point for discussion. And so, you know, I thought oh, it was a great approach. I said, you know, Mark, would you like to write a chapter in this book? Because I think, you know, what you did in your book and what you're doing in your congregation is a role model for people to follow. So, so that is, is, was really important. Um, it's called, the chapter is chapter six, healing our divides, preaching our preaching the common good. Nice. Okay. So that one is really interesting. And then the one right after that, the future of church, training a new generation of leaders seeking to bridge the divide between good intentions and lasting social impact. This is by Rich Taffel, who's a pastor at a church in Washington, D.C., that has turned the church not only into a church, but almost like a um, new business incubator. Mm for helping, you know, particularly, you know, socially disadvantaged people nice. um, to help start new businesses. Nice. So it's like, it's redefining what, you know, a traditional church or what a church is or could be. Well, and I think church. what it was long, 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 long time ago, maybe in, even in the book of Acts, but, you know, I don't, yeah, I haven't even read yeah. it, but yes, you know, yeah. what can, what, what do we need to get back to and what, that's, that's super cool. I love that. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention, I actually want to go back and, and mention this is that the part one of the book, which is really just um, like four chapters, why this matters, why the whole idea of how to heal our divides matters. But then part two, which is uh, I didn't count how many chapters, but the bulk of the book, 29, <laughs> thank you. I knew you would have 29 chapters is ways you can get involved. And this is what I want to say to people. Um, you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. You may be all over the map. Like most of us are all over the map. Um, I get a copy of how to heal our divides because what I know it will do is it will spark your thinking. Uh, because I think ultimately that question we each need to ask is what can we do where we are? We've been given this one singular life and what on earth are we doing with it? Literally, what on this earth are we doing with it? How are we influencing the people that are within our sphere? I'm not within your sphere. You are. How are you influencing people where you are? And this book will get you thinking and moving in that direction. Uh, what, what do you think, Brian? Thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was tended to be. You know, it's, it's a whole diverse set of viewpoints yeah. uh, dealing Love with it. a wide variety of different issues. Each one, each chapter is written in its own voice. We did not try to make this homogenous. Which I love. Sense, yeah. Right. I mean, first of all, it would have been pointless. Yeah. Secondly, I wanted each organization, each writer to be able to express, okay, why this matters. What, what are they doing matters? So, um, so yeah, it's intended. And, and, you know, honestly speaking, um, you know, like one of the organizations in the book is called three practices, probably, you know, most people haven't heard of it, but they do these forums, you know, bringing together people from opposite sides of an issue. And they have these practices that they use to help have healthy conversations. Nice. Well, as a result of the book, they had a couple of people approach them 
and say, hey, we read about your organization and how to heal our divides. We would like to be trained as facilitators oh, to help your effort. Fabulous. So that's exactly what I <laughs> hope, you know, would, would come out of this book is that people would find out about these things they didn't know about. They'd go yeah. get involved. Love it. Love it. I just think it's a brilliant idea. Um, gave me a great excuse to have you back on the podcast oh, again thank you. and to elevate something that I firmly believe is extremely important. Again, the name of the book, How to Heal Our Divides, a practical guide filled with these fabulous essays from so many good folks that you're going to want to get to know some you already do know, and some you will be introduced to Brian Elaine, um, always up to something. And I'm delighted about that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much, Anita. I really appreciate uh, you helping to get the word out about these, you know, important subjects. So thank for you so much. Sure. You bet. Again, uh, links uh, in the show notes. And uh, as I always say at the end, to everyone, keep the conversation going.